Tracy Porter taking it all the way. Touchdown, New Orleans. Hey now. Hey now. Welcome to season 14, episode 3 of the Sportscasters. It's February 9th, 2024, two days after the 14th anniversary of the New Orleans Saints being crowned in Super Bowl champions in Miami. Played the great Tracy Porter clip by Jim Nance. Still waiting to get Jim Nance on this program to talk about that play. One of the last really big sports broadcasters on my list that I need to get is Jim Nance. A great program today. Neil Best from New York Newsday is on. We're going to talk sports media. I mentioned last time it's been a busy time in the sports media world. We'll catch up with Neil Best, who covers it for New York Newsday and Long Island. Talk all about that. And then it's WrestleMania season, and there's chaos right now in the wrestling business. Accusations of Vince McMahon sex trafficking. Uh, fans revolting over the potential main event at WrestleMania. Uh, and I spoke about all of it with Brian Alvarez from the Wrestling Observer, um, the partner of Dave Meltzer, who's been on before. I think to talk about his book, uh, Death of WCW, I think was his original appearance, but he's on today. It's a really good interview that we did during the WrestleMania press conference, as you'll hear. So some of the information we talk about was fluid at the time, uh, but... Uh, still a great job by Alvarez. You'll enjoy that. I uh, kind of want to get this one up, rushing through it. Obviously, Neil and I talk a little bit about the Super Bowl broadcast this weekend. And first things first, I guess we can start there. The Super Bowl is Sunday. Um, I wouldn't bet against Patrick Mahomes with cash, uh, but taking cash out of the equation, I do kind of have a feeling the 49ers might win. Uh, it's been over 30 years since the 49ers have won a Super Bowl. Um, that point was made by Aaron Schatz last time, so maybe they're due. Uh, they've been knocking at the door here for a while. They've lost a couple. They lost that one in 2013 when the lights went out. Um, they lost that one four years ago to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to start this run. So let's see if they can get revenge this weekend. Um, I'll be mostly interested in my squares and dinner, uh, but certainly we'll watch the game. And we'll sure we'll talk more about it uh, next time. Watch a little bit of the Pro Bowl with my daughter Paula because she wanted to watch it for some reason. Boy, is that bad, man! Whew. I don't know what you do with something like a Pro Bowl. Uh, the NHL also had their All Star game. That's not much better. They play three on three. They try to make it for money, but why do I care if Connor McDavid makes a million dollars winning the skills competition? I know in theory that should make him more competitive, and I think at times it is. You know, you see these three-on-three games they play. It seems like towards the last two minutes, when winning or losing is on the table, they do play harder. Uh, but still, to me, like the only viable All-Star game is the Major League Baseball All-Star game. The rest of them are not good. And even the Major League Baseball All-Star game, not that great. Not as good as it was back in the 70s, you know, when Pete Rose is running catchers over and breaking their legs. So I don't know what you do with all-star games. Don't watch them, I guess. 
Want to thank a former sportscaster's guest, Fred Mangione, uh, the former COO of the Nets, also worked for the Jets, and has become a good friend of the program, a good friend of mine, kind enough to hook me up with the Red Bulls in New York who are hosting the Azuri. Uh, the Italy national team will be playing in the U.S. in March for the first time in 19 years. And uh, Fred helped me secure my six tickets. So Paula, myself, Tammy, my mom, and my two brothers are going to New Jersey to watch Italy play. Can't wait. We'll talk more about that as it gets closer. Hopefully we'll get some soccer guests in here. Man, those guys are hard to book for whatever reason. Gab Marcotti was on, and then he was said he would be on again, and we had a time hooked up, and then I can't find him again. So I don't know what's up with that, but we'll certainly talk Azuri. Uh, Inter defeated Juventus. Um, and maybe the biggest regular season club soccer game since I've become a fan. And uh, they were the better team. They are the better team. And I think that they can win Champions League. You know, if everything were to go right, I think that they're a threat to win it. Uh, they got a great draw last time. If they can get a great draw again, that'd be good. Speaking of draws, Italy uh, was in the Nations League draw yesterday. Now they won their group. And it seems like they have the worst draws when they win the group. And they're supposed to have an advantage. Um, and they end up with basically the, the pot of doom, as always, uh, with France and Belgium and Israel. Uh, so Champions League in September, October, November, to be some difficult games in there. You know, you never feel like you're going to sweep France or sweep Belgium. We have that Belgium's number for sure. Uh, we'll see, though. A difficult Nations League will be difficult for Italy this year. Just don't end up like England and be relegated. England, of course, is playing in the B League of the Nations League. So they finished last in the group last time and were relegated, which has to be super embarrassing. Right up there with missing the World Cup and how embarrassing that's been for Italy fans. At least this last time we had, well, we just won the Euros. I don't know what you say if you're an England supporter. My goodness. Nations League B group. Brutal. Uh, oh, I want to mention too, if you watch Pizza Reviews, Dave Portnoy, obviously the king. Uh, one of the best non-Portnoy pizza reviewers on the internet is a guy named Pizza Joe. And uh, Pizza Joe invited me out to Welland, suburb of Welland, where he lives in Ontario. And I recorded about a two-hour interview with him, which you can watch if you search on, on YouTube. You search Pizza Joe, you'll see the episode there. By the way, the camera adds 20 pounds. These pictures of me and the video of me is hideous. Uh, so try to ignore that. Maybe just listen. I don't look that bad. I'm not that fat. I don't know why. It turned out that way. But what are you going to do, I guess? Um, it's not 1999 anymore, as they say. All right. Let's jump into it. Let's take a break. We'll come right back. We'll talk sports media with Neil Best. Our first guest today is a graduate of Cornell University and writes for New York Newsday. Does a sports media column there, covers the Jets, the Giants, the Rangers, whatever they ask him to do. He's a good man despite what Michael Case says, and he's nice enough to join us today on the Sportscasters podcast. A warm welcome to Neil Best. Hey, Neil. Welcome. How are you? It's been a minute. I'm good. Welcome back. Yeah, it's been, it's been a while. Happy to be back. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have you. How's uh, 
How's Cornell hockey season treating you so far? Uh, pretty good. I mean, we had a nice win at the, on Thanksgiving weekend, and yeah. they've had a bunch of nice wins since then. And you know, all all the alumni want is for them to be competitive and always be in the mix, which they usually are. Um, I was actually worried after the pandemic and the Ivies just canceled that entire academic year. I, I thought that that would be a recruiting problem moving forward where other coaches and other leagues could be like, you know, see how, see how little the Ivies care about sports. Right. But, you know, things seem to be back to normal, so it's all good. And it certainly has hurt you yeah, at Harvard, um, the recruiting since maybe Cornell's gotten away with it or whatever. But Yeah, yeah. The, you no, know, No team was hurt more. In college hockey than Cornell. I mean, both teams. Oh yeah, could have could have won that year. <laughs> so maybe that was, that was painful. <laughs> maybe it's a break on the other end, right? Maybe the hockey yeah, gods yeah. are like, we took so much from them. We're at least going to let the uh, the recruiting um, carry over because, like I said, people can look it up. Men's and women's hockey. No team was in a better position. Uh, yep. Cornell. We, were, no. we were number one in both number though. one in both <laughs> and legit number one teams too you know like really good not like paper number one these are legit number one teams so ah, well again the bu win was big and they're right there in the pairwise um they have another game with quinnipack i think before the season ends right i think that i think they play them one more time um either way think- in the tournament at least probably the uh, ecac's so yeah all right well best to cornell um who i've always uh never had a problem with they're one of the you know it's harvard i hate not cornell (laughs) oh us us too (laughs) yeah exactly everyone hates harvard right (laughs) yale and cornell fans alike can come together to hate harvard yeah uh all right so tons going on in sports media i'm excited to have you on uh, let's start with the newest first, I guess. The announcement came yesterday uh, that uh, Warner Brothers, ESPN, and Fox are going to come together to create some kind of streaming service it's later this year, should launch, or next year, whatever. Um, I always thought the future for streaming is, you know, mergers, I, and I still feel like there's going to be many mergers still ahead in, in streaming uh this isn't necessarily i guess a merger as much as like coming together um but it the numbers i've heard it seems very very expensive um also um i don't know uh why why should a sports fan be exci- excited about this i don't know that this is really that big of a deal or is going to help very many sports fans down the road you can correct me if i'm wrong well, I don't think excited is the right word, but right. I mean, because it's, uh, it's but yeah, but but interested, I, I think is is valid because um, it, it, it in the short term, I don't think it's a big deal in the sense that I think most people, uh, well, non cord cutters are going to stay with their cable bundles because that's going to be a better deal in the short term. Uh, and the cord cutters, you know, yeah, it's going to be a bit 40, 50 bucks, whatever the price is going to end up being. It's going to be a big number. Uh, but, but, you know, but in the bigger picture of this evolution that we're going through here, 
It is a big deal because, uh, first of all, it's the first big bundling idea, you know, to your point about the you know, mergers, whatever you want to call it. They right. have basically they're recreating the cable model. And eventually that is going to have to happen, not just for sports stuff, but just in general. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the fact that these three massive companies that that control, you know, a significant majority of sports rights in this country are, are coming together to offer this product. It, it is a big deal. And, uh, you know, in the short term, look, I think the only people that would maybe be interested in it are if you're a cord cutter and you have like no other interests in life except watching sports, um, you know, for 40, 50 bucks, you can watch most of the sports you need. Uh, that's, you know, that might be a very valid thing to buy. Um, but it's not going to, it's, it, first of all, it doesn't include everything because it doesn't have NBC, CBS, Amazon. Right. So right. Doesn't you know? It doesn't <laughs> yeah. help. You know, it doesn't help people with, you know, whatever spouses or kids who might not care as much about sports as they do who want to watch other things, um, and, and and that's why the traditional bundle works so well. So I, you know, yeah. In the short term, I don't know who's going to do it, but but there's no question it's a it's a milestone in this this process. And then locally in New York, the same thing's going to happen. Yes, and MSG have a business partnership they announced a few weeks ago, and eventually they're going to probably merge their live streaming so you can buy Yankees and Knicks and Rangers on one, you know, one product. So this is all part of the process. And yeah, the interesting thing, one of the interesting things about that news yesterday was it sort of came out of nowhere. I mean, I don't, right? I wasn't, there were rumors about it. It was like, oh, by the way, we're, uh, yeah. Like these three massive entities are just going to do this thing. I was like, wow, okay. We don't know how good we had it with that cable bundle back in the day. I, I've well, never, well, I'm not yeah, a cord what, cutter personally, so I still have mine. Well, I'm not either. But yeah, yeah. But see, one, one of the key points though here, and this has been true ever since cord cutting became a thing, and, and this is going to be another example of it, is that for decades, sports fans were being subsidized by people who don't care at all about sports right. who were paying for ESPN and, you know, all these other channels without ever watching them. And now they don't have to do that. And that means that sports fans are going to have to pay their own way. So this this bundle is going to be, a, you know, yeah, there's going to be a lot of good stuff on it if you're a sports fan. But there's no non-sports fans are going to buy this. So that therefore the subsidy is over. Yeah. And, and you know what's weird, too, is like I have the – I still – like. I, I'm a big Saints fan. I live in Buffalo, so I had DirecTV for years because I needed the Sunday ticket. And I always thought when the Sunday ticket would leave, I would leave too. Sunday ticket left, I still have DirecTV. There's a bit of comfort there. I've just always had it. I, I, I don't want to cut the cord. I like it. I use my DirecTV login for several mm-hmm. streaming services anyway. And like right. we have the... We have the um, my daughter and my wife, they love Disney, right? So we have the bundle they offer, which is like ESPN, Hulu, and Disney in one. That's already two thirds of this. Right? right. Like so and then I have yeah. Mac and then I have Max already too. So like Yep. I don't know. Um Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's look in the short term there's mass confusion and nobody knows exactly what's gonna happen here. Um, which I you know, I'm old enough to remember the start of the cable TV era, and there was some similar dynamics back then. Um, so, in the, again, in the short term, I, well, look, the, not, none of these media companies want to get rid of the traditional bundle yet because there's a lot of people that still like it and pay a lot of money for it. But 
it's it's hard for me to believe that 10 years from now it'll still be around right it's dying it's dying uh speaking of dying what did you make of the Sports Illustrated news a couple of weeks ago? <laughs> oh, that's harsh. <laughs> <laughs> look at I look at, no, I love that that did come off as harsh, but I love Sports Illustrated. I mean, I used to get off the bus every Thursday. I'd know it was in the mailbox. I would get out of the bus. I'd take it out of the mailbox and I would turn it to the back page. I'd read Rick Riley's column walking into the house, and if I wasn't finished when I got to the boot room, I read the rest in the boot room. And my mom would be wondering why the hell I'm not coming in the house. Um, and when they wrote about me, when John Wertheim wrote an article about me in my podcast in 2021, outside of my daughter and my wife, my daughter being born, getting married, those kinds of things that thrill my life. Uh, but there's not much left, and it feels like one of the final nails was put in the coffin a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, I'm older than you are, so obviously I feel you. I mean, I, I was doing that in, you know, 1970 or something. but. Sure. um so, um, yeah, I mean, of course it's shocking and, um, and it's unfortunate, but you know, the, the problem with the sports illustrated thing is, you know, part of it obviously is changing times and how magazines are not what they were obviously. And even, um, just the competition online, but you know, in their case, there's also just this, this, this corporate nonsense and mismanagement that exacerbated the problems. I mean, obviously there's still you know, classic media entities that are still doing fine. I mean, Newsday's doing fine for that matter. Thank goodness. Sure. Uh, even though it's harder than it used to be. Uh, so in Sports Illustrated's case, you, you know, destroying a brand like that takes a lot of work. And it's not just because of the internet and modern times and all that stuff. It's not, it's not just that. Yet, yes, it would not have been the same in this era, even under the best of circumstances, of course. I mean, when I was a kid... When you th- this was still not the case when you were a kid, I assume. But when I was a kid, you would literally they put the MLB standings in bed. They would do a feature on on baseball, whatever was going on. They would put the standings in the magazine as if you know you could wait four days to, to like right. know what the standings were, right. just to show you how different the times were. So yes, that it, that would not have been sustainable. But but it's gotten so much worse because of the way it's been handled on a corporate level. One of the ways I grew this show, you know, back in 2011 was when I made the brilliant discovery, brilliant, obviously, using loosely, uh, that everyone had the same email address, right? It was just the, <laughs> right. the first letter of their name and then their last name at SIML.com. And right. I was like, holy crap, I have everyone at SI's email, you know? Um, <laughs> and, uh, at that time they had a tablet version of the magazine, which I thought was incredible. The stories became interactive. Like I thought I, I could fork, I could see the future for them and they had a great staff and they still had the best writers and they have the best name. And like you said, took a lot of work to get from there to here. I feel like, and yeah, uh, one of the, yeah, one of the yeah. complaints the old timers had about the early days of their website was there was too much uh, sort of watering down of the brand by just hiring you know, a lot of young sort of random correspondents for various teams. And it was not, they sort of hurt their brand because they weren't doing it at normal SI levels of quality, um, which, you know, I'm sure that was contributed to all this, but uh, there's a lot of, dy- a lot of things at play. One of my all-time favorite Neil Best things that I always think of is you in the car 
with Francesa after one his last show. I think it was his first retirement. <laughs> one of the one of those retirements. Um <laughs> <laughs> it just, was the, it was it was the first it was one. the first yeah i thought it was the first <laughs> i just i just you know, imagine that dynamic of like julio you know mike and you in the car after the last show driving home and a great column you, you you wrote and it got me thinking when i was thinking about you today how such a big part of what you did in terms of media for newsday for a while was the the ratings wars in in new york and francesa versus um K and then K versus uh, um, Evan and um, oh, the guy who just got who got out of jail. I can't think of his name. Carden, yeah, yeah Carden. Carden. They came back, and now since he's gone, is there anything left of these wars? Does the New York City City Radio War still exist at any level, or is it just pretty much a TKO by WFAN uh, and on we go? Yeah, unfortunately, since that drew so many clicks for us, right. um, <laughs> I knew that that's huge. Totally- yeah. Unfortunately, that story's over. But there's two there's two reasons for it. I mean, one of them is yeah that there's no there's no news anymore because it's the same every quarter. The you know there's just no more competition in terms. It's like a whatever. The, the, the there's no there's no drama in this anymore because generally speaking, the numbers are static. Um, but it, it's going to get even worse this summer when it'll really stop being because like, we still kind of report it just out of habit. But um, it's going to stop being a story completely this summer when um, uh, ESPN gives up its main radio signal, its FM signal in New York, and goes back to its old AM signal, because, which is not as good, just because they're focusing on their, um, you know, their, their streaming, uh, the streaming, which makes sense, I guess. But, but, but any, any notion of, of this even being a, a thing anymore will be completely over at that point. So I... I think um, you know Andrew Marsh. Well, Andrew Marshan just went to the Athletics. So I don't know if he's going to be interested in, in this at all anymore. But right. you know, for years he and I have just been kind of going through this process. But I, th- I think had he stayed at the Post, he and I would have both just completely lost interest this summer and stopped reporting him after the spring quarter. You know, forever because that's just it's just over. And you know, in fairness to like Kay, Michael Kay, um, I, I don't know how much ESPN. I don't think ESPN cares about these ratings anymore anyway. So, Well, I, I still am on the record saying that Michael K won one book. He won the he last did. one. That's it. He won one, and that's it. I know he wants to take credit for like 40 well, of them or something. He well, won the last thing, one, and that's it, in my opinion. Well, one thing that time has proven me correct on was, you know, for, for a couple of years I was battling with K and with ESPN, you know, executives and PR about – whether to include the streaming numbers, and of which course I you was do. Yeah. and that was an absurd at the time. It was an absurd argument, and now it's been proven. It's been proven to be absurd because now nobody disputes anymore that obviously, if you're trying to measure who's listening to these stations, I mean, I'm 63, and most of the time I'm listening to it on the stream versus terrestrial. Right. So, I mean, come on, it's it's absurd. We're just trying to figure out who's listening. Of course, of course, you were always right about that. Uh, What's the biggest radio show in New York right now? Is it Boomer Show? Like, what is, what is the yeah. biggest show? Yeah, it's definitely the morning show on FAN. Yeah. They have ratings dominance. They have more sort of cultural, um, you know, cachet than the others. And and just me personally, as a listener, aside from the fact it's my job to pay attention to these shows, I mean, I've I've that that's the show that I can envision myself actually listening to on a regular basis when I retire. <laughs> right. 
I think they've done a good job of, of doing that mixture of guy talk and sports talk. And, um, you know, it's a pretty smart show, I think. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, but, but, but in terms of ratings also, they are, you know, they're, they're dominant. I mean, they're finishing first, uh, you know, pretty much every quarter. Regardless of what Randy Moss they book. Yeah. Well, that was still the number one show in New York. Uh, yeah, that funny because i have talked to the horse racing randy moss uh, several times and i i can see them making that mistake brilliant job by the publicist though to write the first line in the thing is like current mbc and former nfl network employee like yeah yeah, yeah that um <laughs> that was that was intentional that was a good that was a good job by you good job by you publicist on that one uh <laughs> let's let me ask you about carton real quick before we move off new york radio because when he came back him and Evan had that show it was it was good, I thought, and he, you know, again, great ratings and all that, and and I understand television and the money, and but I have not heard his name since he left. Well, he, not, well, I mean, basically, I haven't, I haven't either. I mean, <laughs> any, yeah, no, I, mean I, I guess I haven't written it other than in historical context. But you know, look, he he knew that he absolutely understood by making that decision, you know, to get to go to TV, make more money. Um, and to stop working a ridiculous, you know, in fairness, his schedule working both jobs was, was ridiculous in sure. terms of having a personal life. Um, he, but he, he understood when he made this decision that he would, uh, certainly in New York, he would have a, you know, less visibility, well, less visibility is putting it mildly. Um, he knew it, you know, whatever, that's part of the price you pay. When Chris Russo first went from FAN to Sirius, that was the case. Now, obviously, over time, Chris has rebuilt his visibility in a huge genius. way. He's a genius, but, yeah. But, yeah. But, when, but when he first made that move, he knew, you know, he, he was going to not be as visible, especially, especially in New York, which was true. But he's back in a big way now. So, yeah, Carton, whatever. I, I mean, I don't know what Carton's next step is going to be in life and professionally. But for now, yeah, he's off the radar. I mean, way off the radar. Well, I'm a little off the radar here in terms of what I want to talk about, but I get sucked into this stuff because I love it so much. You brought up Chris. I want to talk about Chris and Mike for a second because um, Chris has had this resurgence, um, it basically thanks to Stephen A. Smith and bringing him in and the $10,000 a day and who knew Mad Dog screaming about taking gummies. Like, it just like yeah. – it's it's incredible, really, and I love Chris. I love them both, so I'm happy for him and have enjoyed the clips. And you know, not necessarily my style of show. I don't watch much, but I love a good four minute Mad Dog screaming at the camera clip. <laughs> you know, sign me up anytime. Do you think Mike is? I don't want to say bothered by this, but like we know he, these guys both have massive egos, right? Like, how do you think Mike's ego feels right now? You think he's okay with this resurgence from Chris and? You know, it coincides with him sort of being off the radio, and he has this podcast, but obviously not the same as being on ESPN every week screaming about gummies and everything else that Chris does there. I mean, well, I don't want – well, first of all, I haven't spoken to Mike in, I don't know, several months, I guess. But sure. I, so speculation. I, yeah, I mean, I don't want to speak for him, but my – I'm guessing that th there's a – a little bit of that ego thing you're talking about, yes, that he's kind of maybe rolling his eyes a little bit about all this attention Chris gets. But that being said, I also think 
that he was ready to be. I don't think it bothers him that he personally is off the radar because he was ready for that. And he's, you know, he's still got his podcast to keep his hand in it, but he's got his other interests. He's going to be 70 years old next month. I mean, I, I don't, I think whatever, whatever extent he might be feeling a little weird about all the attention Chris gets, I don't think it's like consuming him or anything. I think he's, I'm guessing he's mostly fine with it, even though, yeah, he's got to be kind of chuckling. I don't know whether it's chuckling or rolling his eyes or some kind of <laughs> combination of both. Yeah, got to be some of that going on. But but I don't think he begrudges him, you know, the money or the attention at this point. Because really, what's you know, what's the difference? I don't think. Uh, and their personal relationship in recent years, I think, is most mostly fine. You know, they're not best buddies, but they're certainly not enemies. So I I, I think it's all good. And Mike's done a few things with Barstool here and there. He seems happy. You know, I know yeah, his he, son has been at Harrison, maybe the future of maybe a couple of years from now, I'm going to call you and we'll be talking about Harrison. Friends, that's, uh, yeah, no, you know. I, I, I did mean to catch up with Mike, you know, especially, like I said, with his, you know, he's got a milestone birthday coming up. But uh, um, I, I think he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's just fine. I think he's doing fine. Great life. Great life. I mentioned Barstool. They're an interesting company in the sense that, you know, for the most part, they've stayed a digital brand. They've they've tip, dipped their toes in, in other things. Obviously, the ESPN fiasco that one time. Uh, but I think they're even more interesting now in the second Dave Portnoy era, just because I wonder, you know, do they stay where they are even more? Do they entrench themselves as like kings of the sports internet, or do you think that they try to again kind of expand beyond that and become more than just a digital player or you think that that's just fine for them yeah i mean it seems every time they've th- it seems like when they think about branching out it's maybe off brand for them and I, I mean to to me they might as well stick with this brand that works for them and have their thing and not try to uh yeah whatever i mean it's it works for them yeah they <laughs> so, produce stars too like people who come it, and then they go like yeah mcafee you know sanders um, yeah right so yeah. i don't i mean for in this in this environment i don't know if it's that important for them to try to mess with their brand or mess with their you know procedures because generally speaking companies or entities seem to that doesn't seem to work a lot of the time i mean it's just it's so it's uh, branding is so important these days that i just think if you got something that works you might as well stick with it because uh too often branching out doesn't seem to work anymore yeah you talked about how much carton was working how about mcafee i mean he's gonna have you know in the fall i assume his plan is to stick with raw um i think that that was better than smackdown for him because smackdown was friday so you had friday and saturday with game day probably too much maybe monday saturday better plus he has his own show he's on espn he's come out come they've had their their drama already with the the norby stuff and you know, he says they leak the ratings to try to make them look bad. And it's maybe like Barstool. It seems like there's always a circus around Pat. He never stays anywhere long. Um, always announces these huge deals, I assume, makes huge money and then moves on to the next thing. What do you think about that marriage with Pat and ESPN and, and how that's going to? Oh, I mean, it's I mean, it's already been volatile. As yeah, we've seen headed for a lot a of crash are, but, at some point. But, but I mean, everything always seems to work for him, though, because <laughs> his personal brand seems to be gold i mean i don't that that norby stuff was it was it was bizarre because those of us who actually know who he is are like what like but you know most 
people watching don't know who Norby Williamson right. is. But I, I just I thought the whole thing with Rogers was very interesting though because um, you know, obviously in New York we were <laughs> we were literally on our staff schedule the entire football season on Tuesdays. Somebody usually our Jets beat writer, sometimes me, it would literally say on, on your assignment for the day, Pat McAfee show for a guy who wasn't even playing. It was right. amazing. We yeah. had to listen to the show every week. But I, I thought it was interesting how McAfee finally just lost patience. Now. You know, technically they're still buddies. Technically, he's and he still had buddies. him on the next day, right? Yeah, I know yeah. he did. Yeah. I know, but, but I thought it was interesting how honest McAfee was in being a little annoyed, yeah, by the whole circus and just saying, "I don't want to have to deal with this nonsense and deal with the fallout." And you know, it was interesting for him to. I mean, it's not like he got on there and ripped Aaron Rodgers, but he, he certainly admitted he was annoyed by it all. So I, I thought that was very interesting. It was very interesting considering how quickly after it was i think it was marshawn uh, had broken the story about them paying him over a million dollars which call me naive right. but i had just thought wow he gets that interview because they're buddies and aj hawk's there and roger just feels comfortable there you know then to find out oh he gets that interview maybe because of those things but also because he's greasing his pockets a little bit too well yeah but i mean that, that's fine i mean yeah. that even like a lot of people get paid for going things. on yeah. going on local radio get paid i mean but but i, I do think they have oh, clearly they are comfortable with each other and and rogers uh you know he isn't challenged the way he would be by like a beat writer or something with some of the stuff he says but that that's why um and, and you know i i guess he's gonna do it next year but i i just thought it was uh to hear a guy like mcafee just just kind of you know, it was just like throwing up his hands like, I, I'm just done with this stuff. Right. <laughs> that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, well, because it had to be a drain. I mean, as soon as he's off the air, now you spend the next 48 hours in the storm, right? And that's probably, Yeah, he wants, yeah. yeah he, like he says, he wants the show to be, um, you know, not that they don't criticize people, but he wants it mostly to be a fun, positive vibes, kind of hanging out with the boys kind of show. And then when Aaron Rodgers goes on a 10-minute monologue about, Vax policy. Yeah, who knows what? Right? Ago, yeah. It's like, you know, McAfee's just like, what are we doing here? Yeah. yeah regardless, of, regardless of your of, of your you know person's yeah. opinions about it or the politics, at some point you're not tuning into the Pat McAfee show for a ten minute monologue about Vax policy. Right. At some point, it's like we got it. <laughs> we got. Yeah. We know where you stand, Aaron. Thank you. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the show, but God bless him for what he's doing for hockey. Because they've taken a liking to it, and you know, I know that's important. You talked to you talked about you know he he, he didn't press him maybe like a beat writer was the opposite. I think, and this is another digital player I'm interested in. I think they're pretty interesting. John Boy last year had the um, the Aaron Boone spot every week, and they went at Boone quite a bit. I thought, um, you know, good job by them. They're fans. I mean, they right. you know they're not hiding that, and maybe sometimes they came off as fans, but. Those spots reminded me as much of like the Mike and the Mad Dog with Milberry type stuff right. as I've heard since. You know what I mean? If there was a couple times where it got like, wow, I wonder if Boone's ever going to do this again. You know, but it, yeah, I, I think that you know sometimes uh, sometimes I hear some of that like when uh, over the years I've I've found it also with Evan Roberts on FAN where 
sometimes when you're a fan more than a journalist, you actually get better questions only because you, and Benigno even does this sometimes. Like you, you know, journalists have that sort of way of asking questions that's very measured and objective and like not trying to like stir stuff up. You know, sometimes when you have a fan who's willing to be, uh, first of all, it has to be a fan who's willing to, you know, ask hard questions and just act like a fan, like 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 they would if they're talking to their buddies. Uh, sometimes that can produce better answers and better exchanges than if some, you know, very some beat writers just asking questions like a professional. I, sometimes that can be less exciting. Than, yeah. Good so point. yeah, I think yeah, I think point. that works. And and like I said, I've I've heard that from Evan Roberts over the years. So I'm like, wow. You know that's a good question, and and it would have been framed differently if I did it, uh, because you know we generally don't care who wins these games, and that changes the tone of the question asking versus a fan who has a, an emotional investment in it. So yeah, sportscaster here with Neil Bass catching up, talking some sports media, been a ton of stuff going on. Another thing that happened recently is Netflix finally jumped in pretty heavily. With a huge deal with WWF, WWE. Now, I guess I still call it WWF. Um, that's my childhood speaking. Uh, but not as much <laughs> yeah. about the wrestling, as much about what do you think it says about Netflix and where they stand and what we maybe can expect from them going forward? Do you think this is them saying, like, we're here, we're going to be a player in these rights deals? Because as much as it's sports entertainment versus sports, it's still interesting because they have this, you know, the raw product is almost 52 weeks a year pretty much i mean they do it almost every monday no matter what pretty much over these years it's a you know it's a good package and you know it's going to streaming now uh, like many packages have what, what do you think it says about netflix more than anything um well i mean obviously that product is in a gray area between sports sure, and, yep sports entertainment no, I mean, versus course, sports but yep. But, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if it necessarily means they're ready to dive into the more traditional, um, you know, live sports stuff. But, I mean, it, it, I guess it, it, it might. I mean, because it's a similar world. Um, but the money, I, well, it also shows they have a lot of money. Um, right. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> but I don't, I, don't, I don't know what they're going to do if, in terms of, like, you know, the NBA and stuff like that. Um, nobody knows what these streamers are going to do. That, that, that was another part of the dynamic of what happened with that, you know, Fox and ESPN and Turner thing is like, you know, par partly I think it's them banding together to, to, you know, to get some strength in numbers to try to fight off the money that these, these streamer companies have. So, um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where all this is going. But, uh, but because yeah, previously Netflix hasn't shown that much interest in this stuff, other than like documentary kind of stuff. Right. But this is going to be plus their live events too, not just Raw. Right, their live events. I think will, you know, once the Peacock deal is over, I could see them coming over as well. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and of course the more, well, all that stuff will just continue to annoy people, especially older people trying to figure out how to do all this stuff. Sure. <laughs> um so i but uh, i don't know let's talk about the broadcast sunday real quick and i'll let you go okay. um romo is so interesting to me because he had that game that patriots chiefs game and you know what was that 18 i, I think 18 that was the, yeah that was the uh right the, the championship game in yeah. january 
in 19. Yep. Yeah, the game after the worst non-call in the history of sports. <laughs> okay. Um, the, yeah. uh, the So he has that game, right, which he dazzles everybody. And he's calling out the plays, and he's changing the game. And he certainly changed the money and the booths, right? Like his right. $19 million deal and the dominoes that fell after it, crazy. But since then, we've heard, like, he doesn't prepare. You know, there's been critics. Uh, you know, he doesn't do the predicting anymore. I guess NBC shut that down. Correct me if I'm wrong about that. That's what I've heard. Um, I've heard they've had problems with his preparation. Um, he says really weird things. Like, sometimes it just feels like we lost him somewhere. You know, he's just kind of saying stuff. Um, what do you think about Romo, where he stands, and kind of what you expect from him? You know, because this is a big day for him, I think. Um, yeah. But, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's no question something went wrong from that 2018 season. I mean, I, I do think, uh, yeah, I, I, as far as the predicting plays, I think that was sort of a mutual decision to t- dial that back a little bit because it was a little too gimmicky. Um, but but I think part of his problem is the gimmick, the gimmickiness. He was so he was so fresh when it started and so different. And then I think he, you know, like a lot of us do over time, he became a little bit of a caricature of himself to the point where it started to become annoying. And I think, I mean, I don't know what his preparation's like because I'm not there in his house, but I, I think he's still got enough knowledge and enough personality to be, to, to, to still be good. I just think he's got a, I, I, like I said, I think it got a little too goofy and a little too gimmicky at times, and he's got to maybe just uh, you know get some help, some coaching to to to, to refine what he's doing. I, I thought what was interesting on the Zoom we had with them last week, and he was asked by a reporter, you know, about this all the criticism he gets these days. And he gave kind of a weird answer. You know, he he essentially said, "Oh, this is a normal career arc," and you know, essentially what he was saying is they build you up to tear you down, and then eventually you come back around again, and you're sure. Tiger Woods. Yeah. But he's really you. So, and that that's fair as far as it goes. But I mean, if I was advising him, I would just, I would have also said just to throw in what, what you would if you were a player and say, "Well, but of course I can always be better, and I'm working on things, and I want to learn and be better and take constructive criticism." But basically what he said was, no, this is the normal arc. Every, everybody still loves us, but on social media, you don't hear from the people like you. Only the people don't like you. And, you know, they loved me. Now it's part of the natural process that they hate me, and someday they'll love me again. It was kind of a – I mean, it was a good answer for quotes, but I thought it was a, a little bit of an odd approach to take to this subject for him. I still watch way more NFC, um, you know, I know the networks cross over more now than they did, but still, it's mostly AFC on yeah. that he's calling. So I don't see him as much as certainly as I do the other booths. And, you know, Olsen is great. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him now as he sort of gets pushed aside. It seems like Brady's definitely doing this at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but I think this year, Aikman and Buck have very much entrenched themselves as the best booth in football. You know, I think that they put a little distance even between whoever you might think is second. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know if you agree or disagree with that, yeah. but yeah. No, I would I would vote if forced to choose. Um, yes, I would vote for them uh, as the number. Well, until Ian Eagle becomes the number one guy, I would vote for them as the top um, of all the networks. Number one teams. Yes, I, I would. 
Um, but you know, I mean, to me, they're they're all good enough so that they don't like ruin a broadcast for me. But sure. Um, but yeah, yes, I would say Buck and Aikman. One interesting thing about the Olsen and Brady thing, which I, I haven't really asked anyone at Fox this, but you know, when Aikman first started, they put him in a three-man booth so that he could get acclimated, and that worked for him. I'm not other than the other than the combined salaries problem. I'm not clear on why they're not considering a three-man booth at least for a year with Brady just to get him, you know, just to yeah. uh, get, his feet, get his feet wet. I, I, haven't, I haven't heard that really brought up by anybody, and it could it could be because it's too, it's too much combined too money in one booth. Yeah. But I, I don't see what the I – I think they could pull that off. I mean, because Brady uh, – well, whatever. I guess that's not what's going to happen, but I, I don't understand why it hasn't been – why it's not an option. It was Collinsworth that was the other guy with – with them right yeah it was uh well collinsworth yeah it was um oh, i'm too old to remember all the specifics but yeah i mean it was Col- collinsworth, Aikman, Aikman, collinsworth and, uh, and whoever fox's uh, number one would have been at the time it might have been uh yeah i don't remember but in any I case i know they started him at three-man booth maybe. right maybe it was buck maybe it was buck i don't i don't I guess yeah it buck. had to be buck it had to be buck um but anyway and and i think uh troy has said that that was good for him uh I think I'm pretty sure Phil Sims was the same thing when he started at uh, when he first was at NBC. I think he was in a three man booth, but whatever. I guess maybe they can't pay, uh, you know, <laughs> Greg Olson ten million and Tom right. Brady seven million and whatever, you know. Right, because Olson's supposedly going to go back to three million. I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's what Andrew reported. I mean, I look Olson's going to be fine. I mean, taking a pay cut like that obviously is not great. But he's going to be in such demand every time there's right. uh, any time there's any kind of opening, or if Brady decides he doesn't like it, or you know whatever. I you know I'm not too worried about Greg Olson. Yeah, I think he'll end up. You know, who knows? Maybe he he replaces Collinsworth. Who knows how many years he has left? Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe. Yeah, and and NBC likes to do those things too, where they bring the guy in, and they're like in right. the, in the fold for a few years. You know, maybe they. Well, yeah. Well, Drew Brees was supposed to be that, but that right? didn't work. Yeah, out. that didn't work out. Which you know, God bless Drew Brees. I should have treated him nicer. Uh, today's actually the anniversary of uh, the Saints winning the Super Bowl, and um, I always think about Sims because he was the he was the color guy that day, and he had a good day, he had a good game, and uh, he was wrong about you know right before the pick six, he said they shouldn't blitz, but he was cool about it. it was like ah, I was wrong. They sent any everybody, and it worked. Right. He had a good game, I thought. It was that day the lights went out in New Orleans, the 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 Ravens Niners Super Bowl. He just fell apart for whatever reason, and wasn't the same after that. And if you think about those last few years for him, and how, how maybe a year or two, how bad it was, you, I think you give a little bit more perspective on Romo too. Like it's not that like he's not the same, and there's some weird moments, but I still think he's pretty damn good. I mean, he's nowhere near like if it was gonna be. Nance and still dragging what what Sims was at the end there, then we'd have a story, right? I still think this is a very good booth call in the Super Bowl this weekend. Yeah, like I, well, yeah, like I said earlier, I think that um, uh, Romo's got enough personality that he, yeah, I, I think he'll be fine. And he does run. love it. You get the feeling like he's well, happy to be there, and he he's he loves those big moments, and you feel him kind of like you can almost feel him. Stepping up a bit when those big moments come. Well, yeah, but yeah. That, but but sometimes he gets himself into trouble by getting too excited. Sure. I mean, you know, fair. That's you want, fair. 
Yep, that's fair. And you want to convey excitement without sounding literally like you're in the stands. I mean, right. it's like, uh, okay. yeah. So, but no, I, I think that if he's willing to um, learn, and that's why I thought, like I said, his answer on that Zoom was a little weird. He should have just said, well, yeah, I've, I always want to be better. But um, uh, I think that he is certainly salvageable, and he doesn't bother me as much as he seems to bother a lot of other people. And, you know, like I said, I, I think he is partially right that he, he was such a, a meteor of a, the first two years he, he could do no wrong. So then inevitably there's going to be a little bit of a backlash from that. What do you think about the Swift stuff this Sunday? What do you think we get? What do you think we should get? Where do you stand on all that? Yeah, to me, look, I, I mean, I, to me, the networks have handled it fine. And I think uh, if Travis Kelsey has 11 catches like he did in the AFC Championship game, you're going to see more of her. And if he doesn't, like, it's not like anybody's showing or being bummed out about bad plays. They only show her cheering. So. Right. Right. I mean, if Kelsey has a huge game like he did in the AFC Championship game, they're going to show her. And the, the one time, in CBS's defense, that one time they stayed on her a really long time when she finally, you know, said to the camera, you know, leave me alone or whatever she said. Um, you know, that was when they were promoting the Grammys. I mean, it wasn't like right. the right. longest shot of her. They were talking about the Grammys, which were on CBS. So in, in CBS's defense, that that's a little different than just gratuitously showing her while you're talking about football stuff um of course she didn't know that she just sees that she's you know her face is on the screen for like 20 seconds um so it's there's no question this whole thing's been a net positive for absolutely. the NFL. yeah absolutely I, I was actually very impressed at media day on monday night in vegas how you know travis kelsey draws this massive crowd of course and the fact that he handled it with like good humor, it's not like he got defensive. It's not like he said, all right, no more Taylor Swift questions. It's not like he was mad. He just kind of, you know, took them all in stride, answered all the questions. And I, I was impressed with how he handled that because a lot of athletes in that situation are just going to clam up. And he, he just was smiling and, you know, answering questions. And that's what you should do in that situation. I have a seven-year-old daughter and she's uh she likes Taylor Swift in the sense that I think she likes the idea of liking her a little bit more than maybe the music, but she likes the music too. Right. Um, and I mean, this has been great for me because she's been more interested, you know, um, asking questions, watching more. Yeah. You know, she'd always watch the Saints with me a little bit, but then she'd get bored. She's excited for the Super Bowl. You know, like, I don't see a problem with it. And like you said about the Grammy thing, that's right out of the Fox playbook, right? For years, they've been sending. Whoever the star of the new show is to the World Series for one of those, th you know what I mean? I don't, I don't think anything different's happened. It's just a different person, maybe. Well, in this case, she's the most you, famous in the world. Well, I guess, yeah, maybe is the yeah exactly. Yeah, you, you can't have a star any bigger than this, right? Um, it's been, no, the NFL loves this. I mean, yeah. it's because some of those little girls or boys who are don't really follow football but like seeing her there. You know, most of them may lose interest, but some of them are going to become fans just because they were exposed to it. Sure. Um, you know, it's like when Brian Costello wrote in the post last week about his 10-year-old daughter, how she and her, how into it she and her friends are. And he made the point that, look, you know, when we were seven or eight-year-olds first watching football, we weren't like, you know, breaking down the Cowboys' flex defense. We were attracted by, you know, the spectacle or the uniforms or the – you know, whatever, the cheerleaders, like, you know, you get into it for various reasons as a kid, and then you become a more sophisticated fan. So some of these Swifties who are watching to see her, you know, some of them will stick. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, it was the Superdome and the the black and gold jerseys, and Jim Moore right. looked like my grandfather, and you know, <laughs> these kinds, of, you know, these kinds of things. It, was, it wasn't necessarily, oh, the Dome Patrol, those four linebackers, they really right. shut down. You know, I didn't, I wasn't sophisticated enough for that yet. Yeah, yeah. so that right, that's why I yeah. thought he that was a good point he made. That yeah, who cares? Get into it watching Taylor Swift. Meanwhile, some of them are going to watch the game and start asking questions and. Maybe they'll become a football fan. That's some of them will. So I think there's a lot of interesting stuff going on this weekend. Like, will the NFL pay for, pay for Taylor Swift's flight? And how, if they, you know, precedents being set. Maybe this. I think this story with the boxes is interesting. You know, Christian McCaffrey's mom said not even yeah. Christian can afford it. I would debate that. I looked it up. I think he has seventy yeah. million dollars in career earnings. I think it's a principal thing, though. I think even the players are standing up and saying. Why are these booth, uh, between one and two point five million dollars for the booth for a three? I mean, it's crazy. Well, I, mean, I mean, whatever. It's yeah. whatever the. I guess. I mean, yeah, and but I wonder: is the market bearing that? Are people buying those? Well, if, well, if it isn't, then the price will come down. So I don't. Yeah. Know, well, like, we'll see about I, that. I find it, even with the tickets, you know, I find it interesting as an old person how um, you know for younger people, well, even for me now, there's no such thing as a, like a sellout. You know, there used to be a thing called a sellout. Right. You look. Yeah, I get it, it. Period. Well, no, now it's just well, no. What are you willing to pay? Like, there's no such thing as a sellout. What What are you willing to pay? So, and if you're willing to be patient, a lot of times, two hours before kickoff, those prices come down. So, oh yeah, now, that's the game we got to play. Yep. I don't know if that's going to happen with it being in Vegas, but, um, but generally speaking, of course, that is what happens. Interesting. Who Who do you got winning? Uh, I picked Kansas City. Uh, I think, yeah, I had to pick it for the paper. I picked Kansas City twenty-four to three with Travis Kelsey as the MVP. What do you think will be the? <laughs> well, that would be something. <laughs> that would be just something. Mad. Before yeah. the season, I picked the Bills beating the Lions in the Super Bowl. And so, close. Like, so close, so yeah. close. Whatever. Uh, what do you? Th- what's the big media story of twenty twenty-four? You think is it the NBA rights deal? Is it something else? What do you think it'll be? I mean, to me, it's the only reason I don't think it's the NBA rights deal is because I don't think that's going to be that exciting because it'll just stay with a lot the, of renewals, yeah. primarily yeah. with the primarily with the with the two main players there. But um, I mean, I think it's going to be this continuing streaming evolution. I mean, the, you know, in New York, the the Yankees might be the single most glaring example of this situation because. I have to sympathize with their fans where literally, because I see it myself where you, you you just don't day to day. They could be on five different platforms on five different days. It's, it's insane. So I just think this continuing evolution of how this stuff's going to work with, you know, locally and nationally with, with the, the, the evolution of streaming is going to continue being the thing that affects people the most in their day to day life. I mean, I, I don't, the, the, the Yankees are just, it's, it's, it is yeah, it's a little crazy. You need uh, six most, services most, to get through the air. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mostly when I, but it's not even the money. Well, obviously the money part's important, but, but even just the confusion part, like even if you have all those platforms, all those services, like it's literally like, okay, what random channel is my team on today? And, um, I keep writing it off as, well, this is a transition and it's, you know, it's just stuff we're going to have to like deal with as this new world evolves. But in the meantime, it's really frustrating the heck out of people, right. the people 
I became so. a Braves fan because I could watch them every day on TBS, right? Like, right, yeah. That's yeah. that the idea of being able to watch your team every day, maybe even in the market they play in. Maybe is is you need a lot of services, you need a lot of streaming services. Uh, Neil Best is at Sports Watch on Twitter, and of course, writes for New York Newsday. You can find him there on their website, or if you still get the paper, that's pretty cool. Um, and, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll take them. We'll take them however we can get them. Yeah, however you can get them, right? Paper's great. So, you know, online's great. Yeah, we'll take it. We 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 welcome everyone. <laughs> Do you have any questions for me? Um, when are the Sabers gonna win a oh Stanley? Oh my god! I don't know, man. I don't understand it. I don't know how you can be. You know, they missed the playoffs by one point last year, and it created so much optimism. And somehow they're worse. Because that, you know, I always tell people the most amazing stat in sports to me is that the Maple Leafs haven't been in a final since 1967, which is just unbelievable. But yep. but 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 at least they're like, you know, they're they they're usually like pretty good. <laughs> like the Sabers just can't even be good. It's just weird. It's so weird. And like Pagula came in and he had the press conference. You know, the Sabers are in existence to win Stanley Cups now. You know, it was off the heel just a few years after we had lost, you know, Drury to New York and um, Briere to Philly in the same day. It's like, well, it's never going to happen again. You know, we're going to be able to build our team and keep our team. And, you know, it's like and then they just they were always second place. They, you know, they lost out on Brad Richards and got Kyle Poso. you mm. know, um, <laughs> somehow they ended up with Billy Leno and, you know, Christian Ehrhoff just. So they had the bad contract era, and then they, you know, they lost the lottery every year. They, I mean, they McDavid, you know, just missed one ball, missed you know one number, <laughs> you know, just missed being here. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, you know, then they get Eichel, and then that goes the way that goes. I mean, he's my, my most hated athlete of all time. Last year was the first time since 1985 I didn't see the cup awarded, um, and didn't watch a second of the Stanley Cup final because I won't watch Eichel. Uh, the only exception I'll make is if he's wearing a Team USA jersey, then I'll have to deal with it. But right. I mean, he's just as dead to me as any athlete's ever been. It's wow. Uh, really feel no that yeah. I've 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 said it probably even more dramatically than just that. But I I don't understand. I I thought you know Kevin Adams has made a lot of smart decisions as GM. They've they've signed good contracts with some of their better players. You know, I felt like they had a really I – th- I thought it was going to be a good season, and they just stink. They stink. Well, the other shame of this is that – and we obviously saw this with the Bills, but with the Bills and the Sabres, I think when they make a deep run – well, if the Sabres ever make a deep run, you know, most of the country will be rooting for both of those teams just because Buffalo has this, like, underdog kind of feel about it. And um, there's no question most, you know, unaffiliated people were rooting for the Bills this year, and and it would, I think it would be the Sabres. Same thing with the Sabres. It's just it's a shame that it just never happens. And, you know, as sports media people, I'll say this last. The biggest shame in all of this is we wasted the last 10 years of the late, great Rick Jenneret's career. You know? Yeah, well- I, I feel like he came back four or five more times than he would have because <laughs> yeah. he wanted to call another playoff game or two, you know, yeah. and we, yeah. you know, we ruined those, those, that 10 years, 10 years of his career, you know, I'll tell you this when, when Brad may scored his famous mayday goal against Boston, I was at the arena that night with my dad 
And we were walking out, and the first thing we said to each other when we walked out the door was, I can't wait to hear what RJ did with that goal. You know, right. before we had heard how how amazing it was. And I remember I was falling asleep on the way home, and finally the guy on the radio was like, all right, we're going to replay Rick's call. And I remember just sitting straight up in my chair <laughs> and looking at my dad, and like, here we go. And he killed it. Like, it's the most right. famous call of his career. You know, and I could name you six or seven more from unbelievable Sabres playoff moments. And we wait 10 years. The guy waited to make another one. And they, you know, uh, uh. they'll they'll win someday. I don't know what day that's going to be, but someday. Yeah. I mean, just statistically, what they're doing is almost unbelievable that in in a league where eight teams make the playoffs every year to somehow miss it. For going on 12, 13 years, I mean, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. I a, mean, I mean, you have to you have to try really, really hard, <laughs> you know, to be this bad. And and yeah, they lost the lottery um, twice. They also won it twice. You know, they also right. picked first overall and got Darlene and and Owen Power, and they're both good. They're both Darlene's very very good. I think you know, Power still very young and you have to be more patient with defensemen than you do with forwards but uh, oh man neil someday maybe right. someday someday yeah, someday <laughs> all right well best to the right. uh big rad this year all right thank you and we uh we'll talk soon thank you thanks all right for thanks out. a lot all right okay thank neil best for joining us always love talking sports media with neil real quick quick book club update we'll do this quick three books we're reading all march releases we'll start with the new york game baseball and the rise of a new city by kevin baker uh this one comes out in march we'll talk to kevin around the release date uh he is an author of a dozen books including reggie jackson's becoming mr october um, and he lives in New York City with his wife, the playwright, Alan Abrams. Uh, so we'll talk to Kevin soon about that book, The New York Game. Uh, also, Kingdom on Fire, Kareem, Wooden, and Walton, and the Turbulent Days of the UCLA Basketball Dynasty. This comes out on March 5th, 2024. It's already scheduled, the interview with the author, Scott Howard Cooper. Uh, he is a Los Angeles Times, Sports Illustrated, ESPN, and more, where he has written um, and we talk about the UCLA Bruins our friend Rob Mish also had a book about the UCLA the Ed O'Bannon years though so this is the the other big era and then lastly this is one we've been reading you know since into last year and it's called Charlie Hustle the Rise and Fall of Pete Rose and the Last Glory Days of Baseball by Keith O'Brien the New York Times bestselling author of Fly Girls um so we will speak to all three of these guys about these three books as we get closer to their March release. All right, let's take a break. Let's come back. We're going to talk wrestling uh, with Brian Alvarez. 
Hey, Brian, what's going on, man? What's happening? How are you? I am. Where are you? Doing well, all things considered. Right? You're out <laughs> west somewhere. You're out west somewhere. I always thought you were a Hawaii I'm, guy. I wish I was a Hawaii guy. Yeah. I mean, I'm in Seattle, although okay. we do go to Hawaii okay. as often as possible. Well, Seattle, I'm a big Pearl Jam guy, so uh, um, big oh, stuff my, coming down the you should pipe. Be, you should in be interviewing world. my buddy Craig. My buddy Craig's been to like, I don't even know how many, 192 I've, Pearl Jam concerts or some crazy number? I've been to 86, but wow, 192 cr- crushes me, obviously. The, the problem is I was in 2000 at age 20. I was only at four, and they had probably played, you know, 65% of their concerts by that point. You know, because there were yeah. so many more in 91, 92, 93, you know, than there was. But I've still, I mean, I'm proud of 86 and I'm proud of Craig. I mean, what a number. Good for him. Hopefully he gets a 200 at the end of the next tour. I'll have to ask him, see if my numbers are wrong. <laughs> Either way, I'm, if, it, if you think it might be 192, my guess is he's got a pretty badass number. So you ever go to Easy Street Records in Seattle? I heard it's pretty sick. Yeah, I have not. Yeah, I heard it's I a pretty not. cool record store, but I guess who buys CDs and records now? You just stream everything, right? That's how I do it. Yeah. I still do like to have CDs. and Well, you know what's more important to me is DVDs and movies because stuff gets canceled and they take it yeah. off. You know, things like If there's something I really love, I like to have a physical, physical copy of it. But uh, we came to talk wrestling because even though I am a Laps fan, uh, who spends most of his time talking about and watching 80s and 90s wrestling um, and raising a new 80s and 90s wrestling fan. Um, I've always been in love with the business of wrestling and the personalities, and I've loved the documentaries and the news and all these things, and, man, have my ears been ringing the last few weeks with all of these seemingly business changing news events and i wanted to bring someone in who knew more about it and can put some of these things into perspective with me and let's start with let's start with the netflix deal with raw because it's a huge number um attached to it and a huge deal it signals you know on the sports media end we've wondered when netflix maybe would get involved um this is sports entertainment to me it's the same they're involved we know that Raw is a really stable product that is every week, basically. So there's a ton of a ton of tonnage there for Netflix to get involved. Um, but also, for the first time, Raw is now going to be streaming, and it kind of sets up their their packages. I think are really nicely lined up. Now you you got the streaming with Raw and on on Netflix. You got the streaming uh, with the uh, what do they call them? Premium events now, uh, with uh, and the whole old network on Peacock. Then you have some network coverage with the CW and um, the NXT show, and then you still have cable with SmackDown and their new home, which is going to be USA. So, what do you think about the Raw deal? And sort of put it in context to me uh, for how you think it, it changes the business and moves the business forward as we move on here in the twenty first century. Well, I mean, it is a it is a really big number, but it is not actually as big as it seems because okay. it is like not <laughs> it's it's not five hundred million dollars just for Raw. Uh, this includes Raw. It includes a lot of overseas rights. 
And if you add in, you know, they are currently being paid for raw. They're getting paid, you know, for the overseas deals as a separate thing. So if you really add everything together, it's not like raw is going from, you know, 250 million or what they were doing to 500 million. It's not like they doubled. They're, they're increasing. We don't know the exact amount, you know, based on what the overseas deals were, but it probably is up about 20 to 30% over what it was before, which is a good increase. Maybe, maybe 30 to 40. It's a good increase over what they were doing before. But, you know, before this deal was announced, I thought there was a decent chance that they were going to end up on Amazon Prime. Because Amazon Prime is going real hard into streaming. They want to be a player. Sure. And usually when when companies are trying to break into a new market, you know, they spend a lot of money on something to try to kickstart it. I mean, we saw it with Peacock and the WWE Network. So I thought that Raw was going to go to Amazon Prime for like 400 to 500 million just for Raw. So when they first announced Netflix, I was right. I was like, okay, it's not Amazon Prime, but it's five hundred million dollars. Well, then you find out. Well, that includes all of the streaming deals and everything, the overseas deals. And then you have to think about, you know, their old deals were, you know, whatever three year deals. Um, this, this is, is five, a right? this is a ten. Ten, okay. Uh, with the option of uh, it increasing to twenty, it is potentially a twenty year deal. So what is interesting about that is, you know, if you look at what Raw made with each of their television deal increases every every three, four years, you know, they were they were going up significantly every three, four years. Well, now they've signed a 10 year deal and and potentially a 20 year deal. And when you think about what was Raw making, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, nothing near what they were making now. So what it tells me is the people in charge of WWE and TKO believe, I believe, that uh, the ever-escalating rights fees are going to significantly slow down. Right. And all coming, yeah. Yeah, not not that it's going to, you know, people always go, well, you know, it's going to uh, implode or it's going to, uh, you know, the bubble's going to burst or whatever. I don't think that's going to happen because I think it's clear that the future is streaming. But I do think that all of these different places, uh, conceivably overpaying for so many different things, I think they believe that that's slowing down. And so, hey, if we can get 10 years guaranteed at $500 million a year, like, let's take this $5 billion deal. And they did. So uh, to me, the biggest story is how they see the future of rights fees. They They clearly see it as no longer you know, straight up escalation, I think they see it as uh, potentially plateauing somewhat soon. Hence the reason they made this deal. Yeah. And Nick Khan is considered like an industry leader in this stuff too, a really smart guy. You know what I mean? So I'm sure this was a calculated decision on his part. Plus I do think, and you can maybe agree or disagree with this, the streaming services in general seem headed for mergers. Like I just feel like over the next 10 years, these services are going to merge and merge again and, merge over here until we have like two or three big ones and you got to figure netflix will always be one of the kings you know yeah you know i i the, the thing with netflix you know people are going netflix you know why are they going to netflix and you know talking about amazon prime and everything like that and you know to me i look at these these streaming deals and i think okay i'll give you an example sure there was a period a few years ago where i would hear people that subscribed, you know, people on social media 
they would always say, nobody watches TV, everybody streams. And, of course, that wasn't even close to true, especially like three, four years ago. Like, hundreds of millions of people watch television. You know, you can look at the Super Bowl this coming Sunday. You'll find out how many people watch television. It's substantial. So, but it was like, you know, well, I don't I don't watch TV, so therefore nobody watches TV. That That's what people thought. And it wasn't the case then. Now, there are way more people streaming. I mean, I don't have any cable here. I, I watch everything through YouTube TV. I have okay. YouTube TV. We got Disney for the kids. You know, I actually canceled Netflix the day before they announced the deal, so we'll have to buy that again. But the point is, we do nothing but streaming here. But I do realize that there are still, you know, 100 million people that are watching television. I still have DirecTV, so. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that Just, counts as, you know, that, I, I would count that as. as yeah, I still have a cable bundle, essentially. Sure, yeah. Yeah. So, but the, the fact of the matter is, I mean, more and more people are streaming. And it is moving rapidly in the direction where, you know, eventually most people will stream. But today, of the people that do stream, most are far more aware of Netflix than Amazon Prime right. and HBO Max, which doesn't have a live streaming aspect yet, but they do stream – or not a pay-per-view aspect. They do stream live, but uh, they're working on a pay-per-view aspect. But, you know, Netflix is the place to go now. I mean, will it be the place to be in 10 years? I mean, who knows? But, you know, your parents, your friends, the people you know that do stream. I mean, how many of them are streaming a bunch of stuff on Amazon Prime as, as you know, compared to Netflix? You know, the answer yeah, is Netflix. Way more Netflix. And, way more. And yep. I think it's going to be huge because if you look at when they moved off the WWE Network to Peacock, it was, it was like, okay, well, they're moving to Peacock and you have to subscribe and, you know, how is this going to work and... Well, the way it's worked out is they have more people watching their PLEs than ever before by a wide margin. And so I think that moving to Netflix is going to vastly, uh, I think, increase their viewership. I know some people are thinking it's going to be lower than it is on USA Network. I would say in five years, I think that it might surprise people. I don't know that for sure, obviously. But, you know, if you look at the, the Peacock numbers, I wouldn't be surprised if they did better than people expect on Netflix in terms of viewership. Yeah, and I said that I have DirecTV. I do, but that doesn't mean I don't stream six or seven different apps, too. You know, I don't know if you can be a, certainly a sports fan in 2024 and not be a streamer, uh, let alone just someone who enjoys, like, television dramas and things like that as well. Um, but uh, do you think the future of the PLEs, like, how much time is left on the Peacock deal, and what do you think becomes of that? Do you think there's an eye to maybe put everything on netflix you think they're open to anything there i mean i think obviously if you if you look at the deals they've been making i mean they're open for anything i mean sure. we got usa network yep. we got the cw we got i mean they're gonna go not necessarily to who that will pay them the most but to who will give them what they feel is the best deal and you know if netflix has a uh live streaming component with pay-per-view capabilities by 2026 I think the Peacock deal expires in 2025. I mean, you may see a big bidding war, but you know, if you look at if you look at the Peacock deal, I don't know how they look at it. But when WWE first signed the deal, it was like, my God, did Peacock overpay for for WWE Network? Like they they overpaid to a like a preposterous degree. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you look at it from WWE's perspective, 
you know, it's been a home run for them, obviously. I mean, it was, it's a home run for them not only financially, but viewership-wise. they got way yeah. more people watching their pay-per-views. It, does, does Peacock see it the same way? Are they willing, you know, how has WWE being on Peacock, how has that affected Peacock subscriptions? Do they feel it has been worth the money? So, you know, I think that if Netflix has the capability, HBO Max is going to have the capability by the time the Peacock deal is done, and I'm sure there will be others as well. I mean, they're going to go to the uh, service that offers them the best financial opportunity. Fair. Part of the Netflix deal as well is that there are documentaries, right? I think they added a Ric Flair one already. Maybe as part yeah, of that. Yeah, they have documentaries, and yeah, they have the. the uh, well, we'll see about and the, the Vince McMahon one. Well, because that was just something I got to ask you. I mean, there, I think it was um, Dave, your partner Dave, had mentioned that he heard that that documentary was soon. I know Simmons has talked a lot about it, saying that you know even before the scandal broke with Vince, that you know he didn't have final cut, that that was was going to be great about this, that they were in control of it. Have you heard anything like since? the scandal have has netflix soured on airing that does or do you think maybe they need more time they want to make sure that this part is covered or have you heard anything about that since things have changed with vince well i've I've heard nothing about it and it's been very quiet okay and you would you would think you would think that the amount of time and effort that went into it they would have to like finish it but I mean, as we've learned from you know everything from Hollywood to whatever, I mean, just because you finish something doesn't mean you're not going to can it. Right. Uh, you know, they, they. But to me, it's like you cannot release that documentary, finishing it before what happened a few weeks ago. I mean, you just can't. You've got to do new interviews. You've got to do an addendum, whatever. You know, cut stuff out, increase the length, whatever. I mean, you cannot release that without this aspect of the story it's just to me it's it's impossible i wonder if they could make maybe something they could pivot to they could do multiple parts just put maybe part yeah. one out you know as they work on the back end we'll see but that that'll be interesting because it seemed like it was going to be an amazing telling of the story that we haven't necessarily got without you know the without the viewpoint of the wwf's editing and you know, creative control and things like that. So we'll see where that yeah. ends up standing. Well, it's it's hard too because you know they they interview everybody, they ask all sorts of questions. You know, I I've been told they ask great questions, but that doesn't mean that any of those answers actually end up on the documentary. I mean, right? You know, That's and true. it's it's like with with any documentary. I mean, I've I've known many many people who've done documentaries on all manner of things, and you know they'll say, oh man, they interviewed me about this that it was great. And then you watch the documentary and nothing was in there because the person creating the documentary, they had a narrative. Yep. And whether you answer the questions right or not, if that's not the story they want to tell, it ain't going to be in there. So it'll be interesting to see how it comes out, especially now that Vince is no longer part of TKO, Netflix in any way. And I'll say this too. People maybe are willing to answer certain questions differently today then they were willing to answer them a month or two or three months Absolutely. ago. Absolutely. We saw Absolutely. T- we saw today with with Johnny Ace right came out and said something that he probably wouldn't have said a month ago maybe. Well, not just Johnny Ace, but I mean anybody anybody in the wrestling business. You know, there there have been so many people that even if it's not like a scandalous thing, but even something like I didn't like this angle, I didn't like this. Right. A lot of people are very very cautious of saying anything. 
because they're worried about burning a bridge with Vince McMahon and WWE. And now, I mean, you can, you can start to see people speaking out about Vince. Uh, you know, Seth Rollins talked about how terrible it was, etc. I mean, these people do not seem to be afraid to speak out now, which tells me that they believe that this guy is out of the business forever. He's never coming back. They're never going to have to worry about dealing with him again. And I believe that is very, very likely the case, you know, right. especially given he's nearly 80. Right. I mean, I don't think we'll ever see Vince McMahon in wrestling again. I did I did believe that once before, but, you know, after this one, I don't think we'll ever see him in wrestling again. I don't want to get too far into the allegations and things like that because they're allegations. They'll both have their days in court. We'll see um, what happens. I, I'm in no position to defend Vince McMahon or to um, whatever the, you know, to persecute him. I don't know enough about it. It doesn't look good. You know, people, the way people are circling, I think, makes it look bad, too. Uh, we'll see. But I wonder just what you think the impact is going forward on the business. I know that's a huge question because pulling Vince McMahon out of the business, obviously everything that he's meant to it for so long. And B, how do you think it affects his legacy? Like, Do you think this has the potential to have a Benoit-type effect on the name Vince McMahon? Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, obviously Benoit it was murder-suicide. Right. Horrific. Um, the worst we've seen, right? Really. Yes. Yeah. And, but I mean, you know, excluding death, I mean, it doesn't get much worse than what Vince is, is, accused, is accused of. of. Yep. And, you know, to me, I mean, I was not a fan of Vince McMahon before this occurred for reasons related to business. I thought that, you know, obviously when he was, when he was younger, he was quite brilliant. He was very lucky. Uh, but as he got older, you know, particularly the 2010s, I mean, to me, he became terrible at his job. And the product suffered. And, you know, I was talking about it 2018, 2019, 2020. I was saying this is horrible. The guy needs to go. And, you know, there was always this thing in wrestling that, well, he's still Vince McMahon. And, you know, even guys like, you know, Brian Danielson, who were, who were uh, working with him through the 2010s, they were like, guy's a genius, you know? He's so smart. He knows everything about wrestling. And, you know, I don't know, not Brian Danielson, I don't know the conversations he had or what he learned or whatever, but what I know is from watching the programming, it sucked. Right. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. and, and he was running off, you know, you could look at, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. I mean, you could look at the year-over-year -year declines. I mean, double digits. I mean, people were getting the hell out of here yep. in droves. Absolutely. And and it was terrible. And, you know, there was always that feeling that he's Vince and blah, blah, blah. But what we learned when he left the first time and Triple H took over and Vince was out is that we don't need him. The place, not only did the place do fine without him, but it began a turnaround. And, you know, it turned around for whatever it was, a year, however long it was before he walked back in. And, you know, he came back in and he had some power for a while. And you could see the shows where he had power. It was back to being terrible. And, you know, then he was basically told, you know, you're not doing creative. Triple H is doing creative. You can do your input or whatever, but this guy's doing creative. And we are in, I mean, this is this is a boom period. I mean, we're going to look back on this as a boom period, like we looked back on the Monday Night Wars. And this boom period began without Vince, and it has continued without Vince.
Vince is unneeded. Vince, even take out all allegations, okay? Take all of that out. The business is still better without him. You add in all of the allegations, the business is significantly better without him. So we don't need Vince McMahon. We haven't needed Vince McMahon for years. And uh, I think the business is going to be just fine without him. And it is proven it will be just fine without him. A quarterback who stayed too long, you know, with Patrick Mahomes on the bench or something like that. Um, what happens to Vince McMahon's people? Have you heard? I mean, you got to figure someone like Bruce Pritchard, super loyal to Vince McMahon, I'm sure. Um, even when he was exiled from the company, I never heard him say a bad word about Vince McMahon, really. Um, have you heard anything about, like, is that a thing be behind the scenes right now? Are there Vince McMahon people versus non-Vince McMahon people? And what do you think happens to someone? Or is everyone just like, well, Vince, I never heard of him. Never was, I didn't, what? You know, like, what's going on Well, you know, Vin Vince had a very, I mean, he had a circle of people. And, you know, some of them, he's been around, he's, he's 78 years old. I mean, right. a lot of people that he was very close with, I mean, you know, Pat Patterson's passed away, Howard Fingles passed away. Office people have come and gone. Um, you know, Kevin Dunn was probably his closest right-hand man. He's gone. Uh, John Laurinaitis is gone. You know, you've got you've got Triple H there. You know, Stephanie's gone. Linda's gone. Shane McMahon is gone. I mean, one of the things that happened when he left the first time was, you know, Triple H had a crew of guys uh, and women in NXT, and they started being you know, brought up and, and put in positions. And we'd always heard that when Vince is gone, like his guys are gone. And a lot of them are gone. Obviously not all of them, but a lot of them. And, you know, there are still some, you know, older guys there that were in tight with him. And, you know, one of the things that is going to uh, to be next is, well, you know, do any of these people have skeletons in their closet based on what happened with Vince? We have no idea. You know, there have been the allegations that have come out have been John Laurinaitis and uh, and Brock Lesnar, but you know nobody else has been named. So you know, I I do think that uh, there may be other people that uh, probably shouldn't be there, but I do also believe, especially if you look at turnover. Uh, tenure, who's been there long, who hasn't, uh, the age of, of talent. You know, I think, and I want to make this clear, people get mad when I say it because they're mad about the situation, but there are a lot of good people in WWE. This idea that, like, the whole place, you know, everybody knew it should be burned down. Like, every, I, I don't believe that for a second. You know, even, even Janelle Grant's lawsuit, the 78 page, I think it was, I mean, you know, even even she was talking about how, you know, Vince made it. He went out of his way to be very secretive, you know, after hours stuff. You know, he had text messages where he claimed he was flaunting it. But, you know, for a lot of reasons, I find it hard to believe. I, I believe that she got the text messages. I believe she may believe it. But I believe that Vince, in doing those text messages, I believe it's very likely that he was full of it and he was telling a story for whatever reason uh trying to flaunt his power trying to you know whatever um but i think he was far more secretive about it and the idea that you know so many people in this company are well aware of everything that was written in that i i, I don't believe that at all 
I mean, I, I, I can't. I, I believe that most people. I believe everybody is aware he had multiple NDAs out. I believe that. I believe that most people knew that him and Linda were not together and that he probably had other women on the side. I believe that 100%. Do I believe that most people or even like a small number of people knew, you know, everything that was listed in that affidavit and the thing that he was doing? I don't believe that. I think he was very secretive about that aspect of it. And, uh, you know, I feel that, you know, there's a lot of people in WWE that are kind of being thrown under the bus with Vince and had nothing to do with it and had no knowledge of it. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a terrible situation. And, uh, wow. I don't know what else to say about it. The sportscasters are here with Brian Alvarez. Very nice to give us some time and a busy time for the wrestling business. Wrestling Observer, figure four online, of course, F4WOnline.com. I'll give you some more plugs in a minute. Let's finish on the WrestleMania stuff. Uh, it's going to be WrestleMania 40. Um, my first my first thing I watched <laughs> as a fan was Hulk Hogan with his ribs taped uh, doing exercises in front of the doctor and Gene Oakland as he prepared for WrestleMania 2. I can't believe we're at 40. Um, I guess that means I'm old. Um, but it seemed like for all year long, in my mind, I thought, okay, there will be Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. Cody Rhodes will probably win this time. Um, it'll end the long reign, and they'll go from there however they want to go from there. Um, seemingly, then we had the Jinder Mahal rock spot. I read that he he committed to Mania on January 3rd. He becomes a board member at the new company, and next thing you know, he is seemingly the one who's going to be uh, wrestling Roman Reigns at Mania, and then all of a sudden, there's a revolt. And all I read online and on Twitter is everyone, we want Cody, right? That's become the rallying cry. Reminds me a little bit maybe of what happened at WrestleMania 30 with Daniel Bryan. Um, as it stands right now, what do you project for WrestleMania? How dare you ask me this right now? Well, I, it, okay, Actually, let me, uh, I'll, I'll say you, it. I'll yeah. just explain the okay, story. For those of you yeah. that don't know, we're literally <laughs> at the end. They're doing the angle right now they for are. WrestleMania. Yep. So, like, if we stall for five minutes. Which I'm sure we fact, can. Let's yeah, do let's this. stall Here's for five prediction. minutes. Yeah. Here's my prediction. Because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I believe it is It is the Rock and Roman Reigns, and it is Roman Reigns and Cody. Each Roman one is night. doing two matches yep. okay. at WrestleMania. Yeah. And I think at any moment now we're going to get gonna, that announced. We're going to hear that. Yeah. But they're they're literally like they're for those of you. I mean, we're we're talking about this a day later, but I mean, right now at this exact moment, I mean, they're in T-Mobile and they are absolutely obliterating the Rock. They are booing him out of the building. Yeah. They're totally behind Cody. We want Cody chance, and uh, I would expect that at any second now we're going to. Uh, let We're me ask you a out. couple other questions related to it, but not like saying what's going to happen. Uh, do you think Rock is in a position now where maybe he wouldn't have wanted to earlier, where he can kind of embrace this heel stuff a little bit more? Well, you know, I think uh, I don't even know what I think. I mean, <laughs> he, here's the deal: like this is Rock's last match. Okay. Okay. He wanted it to be at WrestleMania, so I understand it's fun to play heel. It is fun to play heel. I was a wrestler. I prefer to be a heel. But at the end of the day, bro, it's your last match. It's at WrestleMania. 
you really want to go in there absolutely completely hated, especially because the guy that you're wrestling for at least one of the nights is Roman Reigns, who also is absolutely hated. And for those of us that have gone to a lot of WrestleManias, I mean, I've been there for Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns matches where they turned on the match and threw beach balls and, like, it was a scene. I mean, you want that to be your last match? To me, I I think that Rock was was expecting a little bit of backlash when the angle first started on SmackDown. But obviously, there's no way he thought that people would be sending death threats to his daughter. I don't think there's any way he thought people would hate him this much. Right. I mean, from the from you know the the press conference. I mean, it sounds like he's he's flustered in there trying to do these promos. The people have totally turned on him. I can't imagine that this was the reaction that he wanted. He may go with it for a while, but you know, to me, and we don't know what happened because we still got like five minutes left, but. You know, my prediction going in was Cody's going to get added to the match or the weekend in some form or fashion, and they're going to do it in such a way to get Roman over or to get Rock over as a babyface. But, you know, when when Rock opened up, thir- you know, Thursday morning talking about Cody crybabies, I was like, oh, my God, this guy's leaning into it like he's right. going full heel. Yeah, on McAfee, so, he did that. Yep, on the McAfee. Yeah, yeah. This, is, it's, this is kind of... A little bit mind-blowing to me that it appears they're going this direction. And this could all be outdated by tomorrow, or by the time you listen to this, by the way. All right, my report, I told my friend to tell us what happened. Cody announced Cody versus Roman in the Mania main event. Earlier, Roman chose The Rock, so I guess they disagree. <laughs> Cody says, no, it's you, and Roman says, no, it's Rock. So I don't. So we'll see if we get some more updates. Uh, we're kind of doing this on the fly. Uh, you know, The Rock has obviously come come back you know for these one-offs for over a decade and each time he's come back he's been the most loved guy in the room right so this was i'm sure a shock i think they want well actually you know what you know what let me correct you okay it's not a shock and i'm gonna tell you why all right because there was that period where roman reigns was supposed to be the top baby face and he kept getting booed right and so and so i you know what i will give vince as a booker credit for one thing okay he wanted Roman to be a babyface, and the fans didn't want it, okay? So he did come up with, like, a dozen different scenarios where, in theory, it would have actually turned Roman Reigns babyface. But these fans were so stubborn that they would not let it happen. And I remember watching the angles, and I thought, you know, this actually is brilliant. This one might actually work. And it never did, but they were all good ideas. But anyway, the point is, one of them was... Roman Reigns was going to get, I can't remember what the victory was or whatever, but The Rock was going to show up, raise his hand, and endorse this. him. Yep, I remember and the whole And the idea was, this is going to turn the guy babyface. And do you remember what happened? He got booed. They got booed. They booed <laughs> yeah. The Rock. And you could, and you remember The Rock, he was like, He blamed what? Philadelphia, right? Didn't he? It, yeah, he was yeah. flabbergasted. Yeah. So this has happened before, where he is misjudged getting over with the fans. And uh, this might have been one of those times. Yeah, I think I recall maybe that event was at Philadelphia. I know he blamed the specific fans in the arena that night. Like, oh, it's just because we were here. Um, Rock is on the board now. Do you think this is – some people have said this is an example of him, like, using his political might. Do you, do you see this as a political play by him or just simply a miscalculation or something else? I think that they uh, they probably had an idea. They thought it would get over differently. 
and uh, and here we are. I mean, I don't think it's so much a power play because, you know, the the whole tribal chief storyline. Like, how long has he been calling himself the tribal chief? I mean, it's been a couple years. Of years, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the whole tribal chief storyline from day one was about having a final match with The Rock to determine who was the tribal chief. So, you know, they've been wanting to do this match forever. Wanted to do this match last year, couldn't get it to work. You know, Rock's been talking about doing this match forever. Seems like, and by the way, Cody did choose Roman, so it is Roman Reigns versus Cody at WrestleMania, and I presume uh, Roman versus Rock as well, but I guess we're still waiting for that one. But, you know, they've wanted to do that match forever, and I I presume that, that Rock just, you know, they all got together and came up with a storyline that they thought would be great. And, uh, you know, whether it turns out great in the end is to be seen. I mean, it seems to have done great business in terms of, you know, how many people are there for the press conference. The raw number on Monday was huge. Uh, there's certainly an incredible amount of interest in it. But, you know, how it does in terms of business in other ways, I guess it'll be, we'll have to find out. But uh, well, I think it's just a plan they had. It's interesting, too, because the tickets are sold, right? WrestleMania is this interesting thing where they sell WrestleMania based on the name WrestleMania, not what the main event is. You know, I think we'll, it, would, it would be more of a backlash that we would see if they go the wrong way in terms of what the fans are interested in. Um, I had one last Rock question I was thinking about. That these messages are coming in. Seems like Seth and Cody are teaming up and Rock and Roman are aligned. Uh, Rock slapped Cody. Uh, Roman made some comments about Dusty, that he's irrelevant, and so is Cody. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I think that they maybe thought, too, and you can disagree with this maybe, that they might get a chance to have another Hogan-Rock type of match. You know, a moment where the crowd is just so energized by every blow and almost can't pick a side. I mean, we've all seen the Hogan-Rock match and how incredible that was, but I don't know that either of these guys are Hulk Hogan. Certainly Roman Reigns isn't. You know what I mean? Um, No. Well, I mean, you could argue that, that Roman Reigns actually, you know, is much bigger than Hulk Hogan. And he, and he really is, honestly. I mean, you know, in terms of you know no worldwide star power, I mean, just because of the movies, I mean, everybody knows Dwayne Johnson. Um, you know, Hulk Hogan is... is I, oh, let, me say, let me push back this way, though, with Hulk. I don't know one person who doesn't know wrestling who knows Roman Reigns. Everyone in my life who doesn't know wrestling knows Hulk Hogan. Oh, of course, of course. Hulk Hogan is miles beyond Roman Reigns. Oh, okay. I thought you said Roman Reigns was... Okay, okay. We're talking about The Rock. Yeah, The Rock. I'm sorry. I thought you said Roman Reigns initially. I I may have. I meant The Rock. You meant The Rock. Obviously, yeah. Roman Reigns is nowhere near uh, Hulk Hogan in terms of mainstream notoriety. Okay, fair enough. Uh, We just... We were on... Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I see the argument for The Rock for sure. And I think maybe globally, certainly he's bigger. I think maybe in a wrestling sense, though, in a wrestling building with wrestling fans, I don't know. I don't know if he is is thought of the same way maybe that Hogan was thought of in that moment in Toronto. You know what I mean? I think that that's a pretty unique reaction. I don't know if you can replicate that. It would be hilarious if, like. They did the Rock and Roman Reigns, and we got the Hulk Hogan uh, Rock deal where, like, the people totally turn on the Rock and cheer Roman Reigns over the Rock. Right. And, uh, I, guess, I guess in that sense, we could get it. We but, could, uh, yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Um, WrestleMania, it's, it's, it's that season. I, like you said, I feel the boom. You know, I feel it, too. You know what I mean? I feel it just in pop culture in general. 
you know, in my life, in my city, you can feel that they're on an upward trajectory. You know, these deals, I think, are proof of it. Um, having someone like a mainstream sports star like McAfee, I think, is really interesting and how important it is. I thought he'd walk away a little bit from wrestling, and instead he just said, Friday didn't work because I have Saturdays, but hey, I'll do Mondays. And I think that will be great for them, too. Um, I think a show could be great for them. Um, so, yeah, everything seems to be up and up, obviously. Oh, one last thing. Let's end on this. This is the last conspiracy theory I read that I wanted to throw on you. Do you think all this has happened the last couple of weeks no. out of a concerted effort because they no. want to talk about anything but Vince? No, 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 okay. no, no, no. And, and, and the reason for that is uh, this press conference at T-Mobile, uh, the T-Mobile arena, I mean, they, they rented this out months ago, uh, at least a month ago. And they rented it out in advance with the idea of doing this press conference with The Rock. Okay. And that was all before any of these scandals broke. Are they thrilled that people are more angry with The Rock than with Vince McMahon right now? I'm sure they are thrilled. But whether what happened with Vince happened or not, I think everything would have gone exactly as it has gone. Because this deal to bring in Rock and do the T-Mobile on this date, etc., I mean, that's all stuff from late December, early January. Uh, that would have had to been put together long, long ago. So, uh, no. Is, is it is it fortuitous timing for them? Yes. Right. Is it something that they did on purpose? No. Here's the last message I got about the end of the show, and you can add anything if you want. Everyone booing Rock and Roman. Rock and Roman had respect and love for each other and kind of aligned when Cody talked about their family after Roman shit on Dusty. Seth back, backed up Cody after The Rock slapped Cody, and nothing was announced, only an angle. So that's his interpretation of what happened. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I could see... I could see... Seth and Cody versus Rock and Roman as Rock's retirement match because then he's in a tag match and he can he can you know he doesn't have to go they through all of screw the- him you know they could win and screw him still too. Well, I'm just saying one way or the other he yeah. can do a tag match and then you do Cody and and Roman night two. I, night. I think that, yeah. that that would probably be the uh, easiest way to do it. Interesting. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Brian. You want to put some plugs out there? Let everyone know where they can read you and hear you and all those great things with uh, Meltzer. Yeah, we got uh, we got two things. Uh, if you're interested in podcasts, audio podcasts, as well as the Wrestling Observer newsletter and uh, all of the news, our website is wrestlingobserver.com, and we have a subscription area which is twelve ninety nine a month. And for that, you get about fifteen members only podcasts every week. And we also have every podcast we have ever recorded in the archives. So at last count, that is over fourteen thousand podcasts. Wow, dating back to two thousand five. Wow, so. Any story you want to hear about from 2005 on, you can go into the archives and, uh, you know, 15,000 podcasts, 14,000 podcasts, all of them about an hour. I mean, there's more audio you could ever listen to as a subscriber. And every Observer newsletter from 1991 through today, I believe, is all archived. So any story you want to read about, any Observer, they're all up there in the archives. You get all of that for $12.99 a month. And we have message boards, a lot of great stuff. And if you love video, uh, we have a YouTube channel. It is video.f4wonline.com. And we have free video clips that go up every day, about 10 minutes. They're clips from the shows. 
And you can also sign up for a YouTube subscription, and you can watch all of the shows. And uh, if you're up at all hours of the night, or if you're on the West Coast, you can watch the shows live. Otherwise, they're all archived. And so if you like video, you can do the YouTube site, video.f4wonline.com. If you like to read and uh, listen to podcasts, then wrestlingobserver.com is the place to go. So those are the two things. If you love wrestling, check them out. It's the best website on the planet. Awesome. Thank you for the time tonight. Uh, after Mania, we'll let the dust set a little bit, maybe a month or two. I'm going to call you back, and uh, we can Sounds see how me. this played out and do it again. Thank you so much for your time, Brian. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right, I want to thank Brian Alvarez and Neil Best for being on the show. Uh, don't forget, you can find this episode and all episodes of the Sportscasters, including our interviews with Bob Costas, Lane Hudson, and Aaron Schatz on our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash sports-casters. On Twitter, at sports underscore casters. Email the sportscasters at gmail.com. Instagram, at sportscasters. Don't forget about the 24-inch podcast. Also available on the Sportscasters feed on SoundCloud, at 24inchpodcast on Twitter, at 24 underscore inch underscore podcast on Instagram, and email 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. And also, I mentioned earlier, I am interviewed. If you want to hear the interviewer, be interviewed. Pizza Joe did a great job on YouTube. Just search Pizza Joe on YouTube and you'll find the channel. And we're listed there in the videos in between the pizza reviews. You will see my 390-pound ass, according to these pictures, there. So, all right, one last thing for me today, and last night was the NFL Awards, uh, the NFL Honor Show, and Lamar Jackson was named the MVP, um, and Lamar Jackson now has two MVPs, and good for Lamar Jackson. Like, I don't have anything against him. I didn't think he should be a wide receiver. Um, I think he's perfectly fine. He hasn't had a lot of success in the playoffs yet. Doesn't matter for MVP. It's a regular season award. Uh, do I think people unfairly um, hold him to a different standard? No. Uh, Peyton Manning was long ridiculed for his failures in the playoffs before he finally broke through in 2006. I mean, Peyton Manning was in the 1998 draft, and it wasn't until the 2006, the 07 Super Bowl, uh, that he finally won. And he was absolutely destroyed uh, not for not winning and for being small in the playoffs and for, you know, not cashing in on these great seasons. Um, so I don't think that's anything unique to Lamar. Um, but here's what bothers me about it. And I'm sure you know where I'm going here. And that is uh, Lamar Jackson has two more MVP awards than Drew Brees. And look at Lamar Jackson is not 150th the QB that Drew Brees is. I'm sorry. He obviously runs better than Drew ever did. Um, you know, there's no doubt about that. He's maybe the all-time great running quarterback. But any other metric, I mean, Drew Brees, Drew Brees destroys Lamar Jackson. And Drew Brees was really un treated unfairly in MVP votes. You know, he lost one to Aaron Rodgers when Aaron Rodgers had a 15-1 season. And Drew Brees set the record for passing yards. You know, um, 
There was also the uh, Super Bowl season. They gave that to Peyton Manning. You know, Drew Brees was 13-3. and Peyton Manning was 14-2. and um, You know, so some unfortunate timing for Drew. Uh, but the two biggest snubs in the Peyton Breeze era are that Marcus Colston never played in a Pro Bowl, which is ridiculous, and that Drew Brees never won an MVP, which is doubly ridiculous. And here we are just a short generation later, and Lamar Jackson has two of them. And I will go to my death. Ravens fans can come at me. Lamar Jackson is not the quarterback that Drew Brees was. And you can't say that Lamar Jackson's playing in an easier era of QBs because he's not. Right, Patrick Holmes, Holmes could probably win this award every year. Um, you, you know, Bills fans are crying say Josh Allen should have won, and I got to throw some water on that. It's their big argument. You know, Josh Allen brought them back from five wins in a row and took them to the playoffs and had the most TDs. He's also the quarterback on the team when they were six and six. Right? I don't know that this was his best season. He maybe you can argue should have had an MVP award in another season. I'd have to look back at it. But I didn't feel like he was the MVP this year. You know, Jalen Hurts was in the conversation for a while, fell off. You know, Dak Prescott was in the mix. You know, they're never going to give this apparently ever again to another court. You have to have it a season like Adrian Peterson had, I guess. So Cooper Cup's season wasn't good enough. So wide receivers probably out. Now maybe a running back could win it if, you know, he had 2,200 yards and 35 touchdowns or something like that. Uh, but it seems like it's a quarterback award now and somehow – one of the great quarterbacks of all time, never won it. And that's bullshit. And uh, good for Lamar Jackson and his two. Uh, but Drew has one, one in a different category where Lamar is zero. And until Lamar equals that, I'm sure Breeze would be fine with letting him have his MVPs. All right, that's it for me today. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll be back soon. We got a 24-inch podcast coming up Monday or Tuesday, sometime early to mid-next week. And the sportscasters is rolling here in 2024. Three episodes in. We'll get another one shortly. Uh, enjoy the game. I'm out.